Alright, what's up everybody? I'm with my boy Main Event, or Wally Dixon, aka Main Event, uh, Wild Chat Sports Podcast here uh, with the legendary street baller himself. Uh, so how, how we doing, man? How we doing, Wally? I'm good. I'm blessed, man. Trying to, you know, get through this corona thing, you know, they got the people staying in, so quarantine, um, I'm just blessed, man, to be, to be okay. My family good and just praying for all the other families that's going through anything, you know? Yeah. Dude, yeah, it's a crazy time, man. It's 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 a weird time, but you know we'll try to get through it with these podcasts and hang in there, right? Um, so, uh, you know, maybe just describe your childhood, man, and, and maybe how, how did you first grow a game for, uh, or how did you first grow a love for the game of basketball? That's unreal, man. I mean, you had a crazy, spectacular career. Um, I, I want to bring back to uh, high school and then your uh, transition to college. So you graduated as all-time leading scorer uh, and, and uh, officially uh, concluded your prep career by winning the Reebok National Slam Dunk Contest as well. You then chose uh, to stay local and you played college ball at uh, Rutgers University. Uh, maybe describe the transition from high school to college ball. And did you know at a young age you were seriously pursuing a full-time career in basketball? Unfortunately, I didn't take the grades serious where I wound up failing out. 
And I had to look to schools, but schools is calling me and sending Jeez. me letters. I had to find myself and get myself in a situation to go back to school. Yeah. No, it's an incredible story, man. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Van Gundy. He was the assistant coach at the time at Rutgers, I believe. Uh, what was your relationship ultimately like with him? I mean, he's he's had a crazy good career. I mean, he's coached the Houston Rockets. Um, he helped with Team USA. Um, you know, pretty big name in basketball. What was it like working with him for a brief period of time? Because as soon as I signed, those guys went on to the NBA. So I was there with Jeff Van Gundy, with um, Bob Wenzel, and a guy named Tommy Benamarco. Uh So it was kind of like, I was, as a kid, I was shattered. But then I, as I got older, I looked at it and said, you know what? You know, it was a business. Um, they got me to go there. I went, and then those guys went on and, and fulfilled their dreams of aspirations going to the NBA. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. It's incredible. Um. So in 1994, videotape from uh, Harlem Rucker Park uh, was found by two and one basketball partners. This was really early in the, at the time before, you know, and one blew up just as big. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, the tape later ended up being the first volume of and one. Uh, and it featured you basically going viral, doing these cool moves. Uh, you know, where were you at the time when and one reached out? And, and, you know, what was your occupation at the time when you first encountered them? Mm. Um, historical black college in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, it was crazy because at that time, you know, I had a young son, and you know, I was like, went to my mayor, God bless him, John T. Gregorio, and his, his family owns saffle companies in construction. Mm. So I went to him, maybe let's say that Friday, mm. and I said, Yo, you know, May, I need a job. So he said, Well, go see my son John on Monday. But that Saturday, I went and I seen the newspaper where a team called the Harlem, the Harlem. Uh, the Harlem Wizards mm. was actually having a, a tryout. So I went to that tryout. So, so that Monday, I called the mayor and said, Mayor, I'm good. I got picked up with the Harlem Wizards. But fast forward that, at 15 years old, I started playing at Rucker Park with a guy named Mousy. And uh, saw me come from the Gauchos gym practice, and he in invited me to come play at Rucker Park. Mm. And uh, Greg Marius, God rest him, he had a team that went to Virginia Beach, 4th of July weekend. I'll forget it, 4th of July weekend, yes. the summer of 99. And that's why I met, actually met Anne One. Wow. And um, it was like crazy. Yeah. I was dealing with a guy named JR. You no, know, I met a guy named Seth Free who wound up doing a soundtrack for all the mixtapes that you see, yeah. all the rappers and everybody involved. And they came to me with a proposition. They was like, yo, you know, actually, when I got to the game, they was taking the cameras and stuff down because they came here to see one specific player. His name was Ali Moe. God rest him. The yeah. Black Widow. Yeah. And Ali Moe didn't show up. So the guys were taking the cameras down. And someone told us, the camera crew, they was like, yo, you need to check this kid main event out. So they was like, ah, you know, we spent yeah. money putting the cameras up, blah, 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 blah. So I did something in the layup line, and the cameras went back up. I met Anne One, and it was like, um, they wanted me to give them all of my highlights, and they wanted me to do my own volume two mixtape, and I was excited. Yeah. And I was like, what? Well, yeah. but, but then I thought about it, and I was like, wait a minute. If I give them all my highlights... The next one gonna be about somebody else, which I don't mind, you know, opening the door for someone else. But I came to them with a proposition. I said, "How about we take five of the best street balls that's not in the NBA that represents your brand?" So it was more of a marketing campaign that mm. I actually sold to and one. Mm. And uh, I picked the five guys. And they was like, "You can get these guys," and I was like, "Yeah," because I haven't played with all these guys ever since I was 15 years old. Right. So the first person I called was Shane Drew Machine, 
Then we called yeah. Half Man, Half Amazing, yeah. Future, Aircraft, and then later on, Headache came aboard. So those are the guys I presented to AM1. And like they say in their Wikipedia, you know, and the rest was history. Yeah, man, that, that's incredible, man. So it sounds like you were like really like the first figure of N one, right? If not the the first guy, um, and then with the mixtape, yes. Like I always give credit to Skip to my Lou and the guy Ron Clario because Ron Clario took a compile of Skip videos, the highlights, and sent it over to N one. But they didn't really they didn't really have a vision. Like N one didn't have a vision for a volume two. They didn't know what volume two was going to be. Right, right, right. So So, so you talk about that vision. Did your vision, like, did you know at a, at a start? Like, were you surprised about the growth of And One? Because it was a huge brand. It just blew up over the years. Did you have that vision in the very beginning, or did you just do it, you know, just for fun, bring your guys, and just wait to see what happens? crazy bro i mean it really just sort of revolutionized the game of basketball and, and just changed streetball forever um you know maybe maybe talk about like the sacrifice you had to make you know post-college career and you know entering a startup like and one did you feel a lot of pressure or were you mostly you know super pumped that uh, to get this started So, so you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, Shane and, and you brought in, um, did you mention AO was one of the first or hey, hey, skip to my loop? AO wanted to come in the second year. The guys that I brought was half man, half amazing, aircraft. 
So, so how did, what was their initial reaction when you invited them to, uh, you know, join the N1, you know, tour or ultimately, it ultimately became a tour, but what was their initial reaction and, and what current state were they in when you offered them to join? I mean, we all, we all brothers, you know, um, we, we formed a brotherhood, like I said, like 15 years old. Of course, Shane the Half Man is a little older than me. I think, I think we're the same age. Future is a little older than me. Aircraft may be a year or two older than me. So guys was doing whatever they was doing for, um, you know, to take care of their families, you know, to be um, productive or whatever it is that they, what they was doing. You know, I know when I called Shane, he was in the projects of uh, eating one projects, doing what he do out there to, you know, to make it, to make ends meet. Mm. You know, Half Man was younger. Half Man was a teacher because I was 26 years old when I uh, went to M1 and met M1. So Shane and Half and was in their 30s. You right. Know, so. It was really a blessing, but, you know, they always believed in anything that I had my hands in, and they always showed the support, you know. And it was it was really easy for me because I knew that we loved to play basketball. We was always traveling, going to different cities and stuff before the hand one thing. So it was just like, wow, this is something different, not knowing where it could go in the future. Mm. It's uh, it's incredible, man. And, and so and one ultimately, uh, I'm trying to find the specific year for it, but and one ultimately, you know, signed a contract with ESPN at, at a time, um, you know, later in the process. What was your involvement with that? Was it was it difficult to, you know, get those negotiations going? I mean, you must have known, you know, once you got that uh, the series Streetball on ESPN, I mean, you must have known that M1 was going to blow up internationally. Um, I definitely, I, I tell a lot of people what helped it, um, what really helped us out a lot was that it was a basketball, the NBA had a lockout. Mm. So we was the only ones really out that you could watch, you know, playing ball. So I think that helped out as well. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at it as a, being a player and then look at it from a business aspect, my thing was with and one, I was like, listen, we should have a big salary, but these sponsors should also be cutting us a personal check as well. Right. Um, you know, so I once I once I saw how things was going and understanding how shows could be on TV with the commercials paying the bill and stuff like that. So now I'm getting a little bit more involved, like, hold up, this is this is something, you know, it's yeah, yeah. the, the brand's being promoted. And you have to remember you and one with some of the guys the fellas were some of the smartest guys that went to some of the smartest schools. Not saying that they did things on purpose. Maybe it was just the way that their business format was, but it's hard to really mix business with street basketball. It's just like with hip-hop because you can't go with a five- or ten-year business plan because it's a culture that's created. Right. You know, you're dealing with lives, you're dealing with the community, so you can't say I have a five- or ten-year business plan. Which kind of sort of how it went because I think the tour, the tour of the players became bigger than the actual brand. Right. Um, you know, that's what I think the, the new company is going, is going, is going, having problems right now, mm. trying to make it seem like that. And one is the ultimate brand, mm. but the players made that brand. Mm. So without the players, without the ingredients, you really just don't, you just back to square one when you're trying to get the viewers, you're trying to get the customers, but we made that brand, period, mm. hands down. We made that collectively, we made and one brand. Right. And, and the new guys at and one want to say, oh, well, you know, we didn't have anything to do with this and that. But at the end of the day, if you take it on that name, you have everything to do because you got to do your due diligence. You have everything to do, the good and the bad. If you want to take the good, you yeah. have to take the bad because you took that name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I feel you, bro. Um, you, know, it, you know, especially with ESPN, I mean, you know, it's such a big company. When you guys, you know, made that agreement to do the Street Ball series, 
did you, was there any limitations on what you guys could do, you know, how you promoted that brand because you were ultimately also representing ESPN as well? Was there any complications with that or? Um, not really. No? Uh, shout out to G-Lock, G-Lock and the guys over there at ESPN. Um, no, nah, there really wasn't no stipulations. Again, you know, we never really, we didn't sign it. I actually, it was indirectly the contracts that were signed was basically like and one signed a deal and we already was under and one so we really didn't necessarily sign a deal with and with ESPN right and one already had the owners to our likeness mm. and our images and stuff like that so had I would I have did it different maybe you know just taking now from a business standpoint but you know I learned that it's business and um you have to look out and make sure everything is in order but um now nah, we didn't have those stipulations. And one at one time tried to stipulate us on different things where they were saying, because you know, we got to remember, and one was only May, June, July. Mm. And I would talk to them and tell them, like, yo, we should be going back to these cities and going to the schools, uplifting the community, uplifting the youth to do better, to be better citizens, to be better students, to be better, you know, people, pillars in their community. But they didn't really understand that, you know, mm. which was very important. I'm, I'm all about planting seeds and watching it grow and helping it grow. So. <clears throat> We used to do our own games. We would link up with different promoters, and we'd go out. So at one time, Anwar was like, well, you know, you guys got to stop doing that. So I was like, yo, you know, why, how can we stop doing this where the compensation should be cool, but we're doing this not only for the, to be compensated, but we was doing it to keep the streetball culture alive mm. on the offseason. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. I mean, it's huge. Uh, you, you Going off of that, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, – you know, show, you know, show and, you know, all the flashy plays versus trying to win the game. Um, you know, and one is, you know, known for, you know, it's crazy cool moves, you know, all these highlight reels. How did you, how do you balance that in terms of promoting a brand? You know, did you want it to be strictly, you know, in terms of the competitiveness, was it more so uh, directed towards, you know, having, you know, more you know, cooler moves, or was it more towards you know trying to win the game? What what was more important to you? I mean, it was about you know how can I say it? like uh, playing with the Harlem Wizards and, uh, and different teams like that. Show basketball teams you get an opportunity to to kind of do both. But you know, we used to say that you know um, this is not the Glowtrotters. The Glowtrotters is the number one show basketball team in the world. Right. And um, you know, if you look at the five guys that I brought over to hand one. They all had exciting games, but the key to it was they was able to do those ex- that excitement within the confine of real referees. Right, 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 right. So once the once the once the once the referees was leaning, now you got guys. Now I'm getting phone calls like, "Yo, y'all messing up basketball." My son and my daughter just got cut from the team trying to do a Y2K or the sort of hot right. sauce shuffle. So now they go to balance. Like people don't know. I won't say no names, but people don't know. Certain guys couldn't get in the game unless we was up by 15. And then when they get in the game, we up by 15. We get back in the game, going into the third, fourth quarter. We're down by 15 and win by 20. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I feel you, I feel you. And it also stopped a lot of the real ballers coming out to the open runs because they're looking at it like, hold up. I know I'm better than him, but they didn't get picked because they know that they're going to kill one of our household names. You know right, what I'm saying? So right, right, right. Who I brought to the table, and a lot of guys that came could do both. They could give you an entertaining game. With real referees, that was the right. difference. Because, like I say, the, the mission was to try to go overseas, and a coach ain't taking a player that's going to run with the ball or put the ball in his shirt or do a spin on the court. 
real coaches aren't going to accept that. So that's what it kind of became to where it got real commercialized. Yeah, no, I feel that. So, I mean, how, how do you balance that as, you know, you're, you you are playing on the team, but you're such a, uh, you, you are one of the starting figures for and one. How do you balance the, you know, being a teammate and being cool with, with the other guys versus like, you know, trying to make sure the brand goes in the right direction? Talk about promoting that brand of and one. Uh, Grayson Boucher, aka the professor, joined the tour in 2003 after winning the uh, ESPN Streetball Series. Um, basically, walked on the team. Uh, what was the mood like around the locker room when when uh, you know when he joined the and one uh, team? You know, because we we actually uh, interviewed him for our podcast as well, and we got a little bit about his story. And I was like, yo, do you stay in touch with all the guys, like main event and all these guys? He's like, yeah, we try to stay in touch once in a while. Uh, you know, maybe just talk about what it was like to have him as a teammate. It was um, incredible, you know, because at the end of the day, Fest could do, you know, he got his stuff that he's doing now where, you know, he's doing like, uh, you know, entertaining stuff, but Fest could really play basketball. Yeah. And when you go back to the, to the videos and stuff, I said the reason why I picked Professor was because it wasn't that he made the shot in, in the garden. Mm. It was that not only what he did throughout the 24 games that he had to do, but it was that he took the shot. And mm. the players that was on his team was was legends. Mm. Like, you know, City Streetball legends. So he was on a team full of legends. And for, him, for them to put that ball in his hands to take the last shot, I saw that professor was special. Yeah. You know, and I said, I, I, I said why I picked him. You know, it yeah, was yeah. That he made the shot, but it was that he took the shot. And everybody on his team had confidence in him making that shot. And, he made that shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. made the team, you know. But he, he, was, he was holding it down the whole the whole tour, you know, the 25 cities with him and Spider. Mm. And I think the next year Spider came on because we gave Professor his jersey mm. at the park that's in the video game in St. Mark's Park in Linden, New Jersey. Yeah. That's what we gave him his jersey, and that's how it go in the video game. You start off at St. Mark's Park, and then when you win the whole, the whole video game, you come back and get your jersey. Yeah. So shout out to Professor, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's crazy because growing up, the – the M1 video game, I told the professor this too, it was like my go-to game. Like it was like, I played it all the time on PS2. Um, and, and I asked him, you know, I was just curious, what did you guys do on your free time? Did you guys ever play the game yourselves or what, what was up with that? You know? I played it, I played it a couple of times. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I really far in it, you know, but uh, I 
Mm. Um, we did one with Ubisoft. I think it was called Streetball. Then we did the one with the hand one. Mm. Uh, Streetball. So it was, you know, it was, it was. I, I can't even lie and say it was like a dream come true because no, no time I ever dreamed or say, you know what, I want to be a streetball legend or you know I'm gonna be on a tour somewhere. So it was just all we just was taking it in as it was coming in, you know. Um, because years ago, you say 20 years ago now, a street basketball legend was just someone who wasted their talents. Mm. So I was able to, you know, through the blessings, I was able to, you know, bring street basketball to corporate America, mm. who was able to enhance us doing different things. But it just became too much personalized when we started going into the NBA arenas. We couldn't take away from the culture, take away from the dyma- dynamics of a street basketball game. Mm. And that's what's loved about it. Because you can be close up like I am right here. Yeah. Like, you ain't yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I love it, bro. I love it. Yeah, you guys absolutely did. Uh, you know, another part of your career was you spent some time in training camp with uh, the Nets as well, uh, the New Jersey Nets at the time, uh, before the 2004-2005 NBA season, getting invited to training camp. Maybe talk about that transition from and one to, you know, sharing a court with the NBA players for, you know, a little bit of time. Did you feel like any pressure to adjust to their style of play since it was just two different kinds of basketball? Well, it, it was funny because a year before that I had broke my leg, I was in a car accident where I almost lost my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had a metal, I had a metal rod and, you know, four screws in my leg. And, and that's when you saw on the AM one where I was picking the players, so I still stayed involved. And, and actually, with the, you know, the hard work of my agent, Eugene Napoleon, and a good friend of mine, Renato Mack, who used to work for the NBA Entertainment, um... If you look at my interviews, I said, once I turn 26 years old, I'm going to stop chasing the NBA dream. So I think I was 26 years old, going to be turned 27, yeah. when I got the call to go to the uh, the, veterans, the rookies camp. Mm. So my agent set everything up, and it's crazy how things work. You know, I don't know if Jeff Van Gundy gave me the opportunity because of when he left Rutgers, right. but he was the coach. So when I got there, he was like, yo, <laughs> yo you, I don't know if you're going to be dunking all, all over the rest of the stuff. Yeah. And at that time, he don't know that, I was working on my jump shot. The whole time I was yeah. there for the whole year, I was just working on my jump shot, working on my jump shot. So I actually made it, and I got invited to come to the veterans camp. And uh, my agent was like, yo, I'm excited for you. I said, you know what? And people don't know this, you know, but I said, you know, I'm not going to go. So he was mm-hmm. like, what you mean you're not going to go? I said, I'm not going to go. I said, if you look back at my interviews, I said, I always want to put myself in a position. And once I turn 26 years old, I'm going to stop chasing the NBA dream. Yeah. And um, I was 26, and I knew that as a as a competitor and the level that I want to compete on, I knew I couldn't play in 92 games, mm. 82 games the way that my leg was, you know. Mm. So I didn't want to, you know, not give my all to the organization, the next organization, and not give my all to myself. So I turned it down, and I just continued on uh, playing, the, you know, with, with the hand one. But, but before that, we had something that came out called on Hollow Grounds. It came mm. on TNT where they followed my bad boy oh. team because we have been winning the championship teams back to back with Ron Artest, Elton Brand, Kareem yeah. Reed. We had a crew. Yeah. And I met David Stern. And I said to David Stern, God rest him, I said, uh, I said, damn, man, you know, will I ever get an opportunity, you know, to play on, on your stage? And he says to me, he said, you know, if I let you in the NBA, I'll be opening up a can of worms. Yeah. Artest, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he's, right, he's on right now. He's Shout out. Guy, you know, this is awesome. <laughs> and, um, and David Stern was like, basically, if he let me into the NBA, I would be a guy that's coming right from the street. So yeah. I understood that, and um, I respect that, you know. But so I just took advantage of my opportunities that you know that I had in front of me, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. So I mean, you talk about 
you know, the impact that the M1 tour had on your life. Uh, you know, what was your favorite part of it? You know, whether it was, you know, playing with all these different kinds of players or like, you know, traveling internationally, you got to go to a bunch of different countries. You know, what was it like to, to be a part of, uh, you know, revolutioni- revolutionizing uh, the brand of street ball? Mm. You know, as a student, I hated history. And then I look back like, wow, you know, I'm going to all these places, touching cobblestones in different areas, you know, going to talk to the, the, the less fortunate in different third world countries and stuff like that. So it became more like an ambassador type thing. Right. They would give us our itinerary overseas and say, you know, you guys can go here, you can't go there. So me, Shane High, Headache, a lot of the guys say, hold up, we, can, we, we I want to go see why they say we can't go here. Mm-hmm. And normally when they say we can't go, it was like the, the less fortunate. You know, we sat in different villages and, you know, just the basketball was a blessing to get us to get us there. But at the end of the day, the creator geared us in a different direction to go out there and be like, yo, accessible. Like, yo, oh, that's a guy from the TV show. Yo, I just shook his hand or he just did this. So he ate with my family. You know, to yeah. me, that was more than just actually suiting up and getting on the court. But the basketball is what got us to that situation. And I'm just humbled to be involved with something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's awesome, man. Uh, you know, to wrap it up, basically, just two more questions. Uh, you know, do you, do you do you still stay in touch with the M1 crew today? Um, you know, you, you started you started uh, Ball for Real um, a little while back. Uh, you know, who did you ultimately try to recruit? You know, how, how does the connection of M1 help, you know, you, the future of your career as well? You know, I feel, I feel like those are lifelong connections, man. It's awesome. Uh, just curious, do you still stay in touch with uh, Grayson Boucher, a.k.a. the professor? Yeah. I just yeah. talked to him all the time. That's my man. I just yeah. talked to him about, um, what, about a couple of weeks ago. I, just got to, I actually got to send him a magazine when the Sports Illustrated. Uh, one of my white judges want to get his autograph and yeah. stuff like that. So I reached out to him like, man, no problem. But we always we always in touch, you know, uh, from afar. Yeah. Through social media. What's up, bro? I'm proud of you. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so dope, it's, man. It's all a grooming process, and, uh, you know, you learn, you mature, and uh, I definitely don't think how I thought 20 years ago. You know? mm, yeah, no. So so what do you think? Do you think we'll get a uh, and one reunion going, get all the players back on the court, get a little street ball competition going? you think that will happen sometime? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's going to happen, but it may not be with and one to be honest. Mm. You know, I don't like, I, I don't want to be involved with a situation to where I feel as though that we're being taken advantage of mm. and this, this new company they just don't yeah you know no, yeah. you gotta have a puzzle but if you have the wrong pieces in that puzzle it's not worth it, it just won't go together so I, I won't I take five steps backwards to take one forward so if, if it do happen yeah. it has to be a real good situation but yeah. like I said the reunion gonna happen but it may not be under the banner of and one because to me you know and one can't make no street ball legend mm. um You know, without the foundation. You know, mm. you could get new guys, but you have to have that foundation. And until they recognize that we're the foundation, right? Yeah. Um, that brand, unless they change the name and yeah. take away the one and just call it and or something. But when you mention street basketball and mention and one, it's definitely the players. The yeah. players created that brand. Period. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you guys changed the game forever, uh, and, and you're continuing to make an impact through uh, Sky Street Ball. Syndicate, uh, it stands for Yeah. All crooks. You know, me and Shane worked on that deal for over a year. And then, you know, when you actually get a chance to see the true cut true person colors, mm. just step back. You know what I mean? Just step back and say, you know, y'all do what y'all do. But once again, ball for real. Yeah. Sexy. Uh, sky. Sexy. Where yeah. are they at now? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true, bro. You know what I'm Hey, that, that was all you guys, man. You guys changed the game forever. Uh, Wally Dixon, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, AKA Main Event, thanks so much for uh, taking the time today, man. Stay in touch. Thank and you, uh, Yeah, God bless, bro. Appreciate it. Be blessed. Take a run free. Yeah, yeah. We'll try, bro. We'll try. All right. Peace out, man. Appreciate it. Zach and Cody on the sweet life on Drake Bell here. It's your girl Camille Costek. Shrew McGavin in the house. Shoe nice, okay. Lay Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a CeeLo Green. The follow at Wild Chat Sports. 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 Peace, Wild Chat Sports, man. Check it out. Love.